Welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. I'm here in our online studio today to talk about some uh, sometimes uh, prickly and intimidating questions uh, about gender and sexuality and uh, how do we address these um, these questions and this important topic with our students. I'm here with Jennifer Kwame. Uh, Jennifer is passionate about helping teenagers to see the beauty of the gospel and apply it to all of life. I love that. Uh, and she's been in youth ministry at Centennial Church in Forest Lake, Minnesota for about 20 years. Uh, she's also the director of team for the Challenge Youth Conference, and she's the author of a new book, uh, More to the Story, and contributor to the EFCA blog and married to Greg, and they have three children. Jennifer, it's really nice to meet you and to have you joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It's an honor to be here. All right. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to hear more about your book and to to talk about uh, these difficult questions with you. Um, before we dive into the topic, it's always fun to hear from our guests and get to know them as a teenager a little bit, right? As a youth ministry podcast, uh, let's return ourselves back to those uh, teenage <laughs> glory days. Um, so when you were a teenager, uh, what was your favorite TV show or band or, uh, something, uh, band or TV show that you really loved as a teenager? Yeah. Well, I went to the challenge conference actually as a teen when Chris Tomlin, like before he was big, it was one of probably his first big things that he did. And I came back from that pretty okay. obsessed. <laughs> so I listened to Chris Tomlin and yeah. then David Crowder band and the whole passion thing to the point of my friends, my friends teased me about it. Cause I knew, you know, all the band members and all the, all the things. <laughs> so you're like an original groupie. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love that. So what was it about Tomlin and Crowder and what, what drew you to them? Um, well, I do think that conference in particular, it was going into my senior year of high school. God really did use that conference in some significant ways in my spiritual life. So I think some of it was kind of just this yeah. milestone marker that, that he was connected with. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Love that. Love that. All right. What's um last question on, on Crowder? Uh, <laughs> best Crowder album. Ooh, that's hard. Um, or, or maybe favorite. Let's go favorite favorite Crowder album, right? Sometimes those are different questions. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a, a special place in my heart for the Remedy like club tour one because uh, yes. I won. Yeah. This is a whole side story. I won tickets and backstage passes for life to David Crowder band concerts until they disbanded. And what? the Remedy Tour was oh my shortly after I got married. We road tripped down to Dallas for just for a concert and then like drove back wow. to Minnesota. So that was that was a fun time. That's a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I have to ask, how do you win lifetime? How do you win something like that? Um, so 
There were, if you, you know, if you read all of the CD inserts back in the day um, and all the little notes inside, I can't remember what album it was actually, but um, he had this contest where if you piece together three different parts of this You Alone song that was like a hidden track somewhere and then online and yeah. were like, the, he said the first oh person goodness. to turn this in would win something quite extraordinary. And yeah, I was in college and the, like the whole website crashed because wow. too many people were trying to do it and you'd be trying to refresh and, and kind of listen to my class. Yeah. And, you know, anyhow, I did get one of the, I think that's amazing. A few people won it. I but, love yeah. that. <laughs> Fun times. That's incredible. That's incredible. Shout out David Crowder band. <laughs> um, hey, so, um, uh, so topic at hand, right? Yeah. Um, uh, w- w- when you're you're talking about sexuality and, and gender and the, these conversations in student ministry, it, it's always an interesting, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting thing because on, on one hand, uh, it can kind of seem like everyone is talking about sexuality and gender so much that it's easy to start feeling numb mm. uh, to the conversation and feel like, okay, like I just I'm so done with this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Everyone's always it, like enough already. Mm. Uh, but on the other hand, like, isn't that kind of the point, right? Like everyone's talking about it. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just really difficult to know how do I respond to all these different perspectives? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I evaluate what, what do I believe? How do I think we should have these conversations with students in my own home, maybe, or in my ministry, in my church, in the community? Um, it, it's yeah. such a hot topic. Um, that it's really important for us to find good counsel that's both biblical and practical um, for teenagers, not just for like the general populace, yeah. right? But like biblical, practical help for teenagers. And I think your book um, provides that in some really important and helpful ways. So could you share um, a little bit about your book, More to the Story, uh, and what do you hope teenagers get out of reading and hopefully even discussing that book with with a parent or mentor. Sure. Yeah, it is it is a big topic and big in several senses of how how important or heavy or you know it can be for students that have something more personally, you know, in that, but also just how many different topics and areas are kind of involved in this conversation. Um Yeah. I think my my hope with the book is really to give students a gospel-oriented perspective on the whole topic. So the book starts out kind of walking students through the gospel narrative, like creation, fall, and redemption. And so understanding how does sexuality fit into this bigger picture of, of the gospel and kind of grounding them in why sexuality matters. Like, why is it a big deal in yeah. scripture? Um, and then from that to hit like you said, the really practical areas of, and there's lots of them, but everything from gender and identity and orientation to dating and screens and abuse. And just, so how does scripture and how does the gospel speak into this? And how is it good news? Cause I think that is often where students kind of wrestle with like, is what Jesus said really good? Cause it seems at odds with what culture is telling me is good. And so to help them see Jesus is good news. Yeah. 
I think that's a really good point. Like I, a lot of the conversation, you know, it's always fun to listen in when kids are talking <laughs> mm-hmm. and they don't realize you're listening. It, it's like a lot of the conversation about sexuality um, is framed from a Christian perspective about what you're not supposed mm-hmm. to do. So it's, I, I really appreciate that mm-hmm. approach of kind of the positive, like what does the Bible say? Like why is the Bible's message about sexuality Good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really important. Um, so, w- what are what do you think are some of the main concerns that teenagers have ab- around issues of identity and sexuality, and not just what's what do we see on the surface, uh, but what what do you identify at the root of those concerns? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and obviously, students start in all different places, which is part of the challenge with this conversation, right? Um, and yeah, some of them yeah. are just asking questions about what can and can't I do? And some of that is from a genuine, like, oh, I'm really trying to follow Jesus and understand this. And some of it is probably mm-hmm. trying to justify their behavior or find, you know, how close can I get to the line? Um, but I also think yeah. I hear a lot of questions um, yeah, that have to do with identity. I think of Kara Powell talks about how students wrestle with identity, purpose, and belonging. And I do think those three things yeah. are are at the heart of a lot of their questions surrounding sexuality too, of who am I really? Do I matter? And where do I belong? Yeah. And often, you know, students are often trying to create their own answer to those questions. Like I can create this identity for myself. Um, and in that, especially if if it is a, a gender sexual identity thing that kind of with it creates this purpose of I'm going to advocate for whatever. And it kind of comes with this community. Um, Cause I think that LGBTQ yeah. um, there, there is often a community that comes with that. That is a draw. Um, but wanting obviously yeah. students to see Jesus offers an, a better alternative of, this identity and purpose and right. community is a gift that that he gives. So I don't know. I think that framework yeah. is helpful. Yeah. No, that's good. So it's identity, belonging, and purpose, mm-hmm. right? Um, so can you just speak briefly into those things from from a gospel perspective? Like how do we how do we call students hmm. into <laughs> identity, belonging, and purpose um, through the power of the gospel rather than through the power of their gender ideology mm-hmm. or sexual identity, right? Um, can you just talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, I think the identity one is is interesting because because I think culture tries to offer students this, this good picture of, hey, you just get to define yourself any way you want. And on the surface, that sounds really wonderful that I can just be whatever and whoever I want to yeah. be and kind of be free from these different restraints or expectations. Um, but I also see that that it can be a really big weight on students of I need to define all of these different areas about myself and create some kind of identity that's compelling and um, and so the the counter narrative to this is no Jesus gives you your identity like this is a gift it's not something you have to yeah. create or work for and the identity that he gives you is good I think the rub is that we then do have to accept 
you know, we have to kind of combat this of, am I willing to accept what Jesus says about me or am I holding on to that of, no, I want to define it for myself. And we all have to, you know, wrestle with that at some level. But I think it is a gift. Like that's just the nature of temptation, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) God's story. I want, I want to be the author of my own story. Right. Yep. Right. And so, yeah, I love how even the, the title of your book, right, is driving at, at this issue, right? That it's mm-hmm. where th- there's more to your story than what you would write yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we, through the power of the gospel, through the grace of Christ, call them into a, a, a better story, a bigger story? There's more to it than what they themselves would. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when when we're navigating, right, the the tough issues, uh, we're talking with a student in our small group, um, or we're talking with a parent um, whose teenager confides and confesses mm-hmm. some some element of, of sexual sin. Um, how do we how do we respond uh, mm-hmm. as as youth leaders? So not not we're, we're going to talk about parents soon, right? But just as as youth leaders, um, how do we how do we respond when a student confesses mm-hmm. uh, sexual sin? Um, and what if they confide about, um, some form of abuse Mm. that they have suffered and experienced? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think first of all, just to, I mean, to stay calm, to hear them out and to thank them for the courage, the boldness that it takes to share something like that. Um, because it is a super important first step, um, and one that students often yeah. don't take for a while. So to thank them for trusting you with that and, you know, start there. Um, and then I would just say to ask good questions about that. Um, if it's, and I, it is different, I think, if it's sin or abuse. So just to, to separate that for a minute. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The sin issues, I talk in the book about temptation being both a, battlefield and a window. And so how our temptations are this opportunity to worship and trust God or to worship and trust something else. Um, And then how also it's a window into our own hearts and what our deepest desires are. And so to ask questions that kind of get at that with students of like, what were you hoping, you know, would come from this or, you know, and what, what do you think is actually the result of this? And to kind of get at, is there um, yeah, what what are the things that drew them into that? What are the the heart idols or deep desires that led them in that direction? Yeah. Because that helps to get at what needs to change, not just in behavior safeguards, but also in their heart um, for, for next time. And is there a genuine repentance and desire yeah. for change? Or is it just kind of trying to get the guilt off? Or Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and so what about... Um... If students, you know, can confide in us about um, being abuse survivors, right? So I'm asking yeah, the, sure. the, those two questions kind of combined, not mm-hmm. because the nature of the two um, situations are identical, but just the, the confidentiality and the, like, right. how we respond to those two things are mm-hmm. very sensitive and delicate. For so, sure. Um, yeah, I just want to be clear about why I'm kind of asking <laughs> sure, these yep. together. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, how do we how do we respond to that? I mean, I would start the same as far as just again thanking them for for sharing and for trusting um, me with that. 
I think the the abuse thing is even more sensitive in the sense of um, I would just be really careful to to honor their story. I mean, you hear a lot of times of abuse victims who felt like people question like, oh, is that really what happened? And um, and oh. and how that can be kind of a secondary trauma. And so just to realize, hey, it's not my place to figure out uh, to figure out the whole truth of this story, but I need to get them the help that they need. And for a lot of us, if we work in ministry, there's a, a mandated reporting thing. And also probably just that's yes. the wise thing to do to make sure that they get help and yep. are not stuck in that place. So to be able to hand it, to not be afraid to hand it over to the people that can step in and, you know, they're the ones that will yeah. figure out what really happened and what needs to happen. Um, but to also not just to hand them off in the sense of like, <laughs> I can't deal with this, but just in the sense of, Hey, I'm going to make sure you get help <laughs> yes. and I'm going to walk yeah, with yeah. you through this and, um, you know, just be there yeah. and be a part of it for as much as they are willing to let me walk alongside them. And yeah. Yeah. Speak Jesus love yeah, and yeah, care yeah, over not, them. You're and not trying yeah. to wash your hands. No. <laughs> yeah, you're not trying to wash your hands of the situation as quickly as you can. No, but also um, not just I, feeling I like say, I can like, handle it all myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not, uh, sometimes I, I've heard youth pastors say like, but do I have to report this one? It's like, mm-hmm. that's the wrong question, mm-hmm. right? Like, the question is not what, what is the minimum legal amount that you need to do? Um, Right, like yeah. we're not just trying to not get ourselves sued. Like we're caring for the student mm-hmm. who is um, sharing something really terrible and, right. and horrible, um, and it's a, a sin that has been um, committed against them. And so mm-hmm. the, the concern is not what is my legal responsibility. Um, I, I would even say um, re- reporting something like this a- against. Um, parents' wishes or against mm-hmm. your boss's wishes is worth getting fired over um, <laughs> because you are you're being called into a really important way and element of caring and shepherding these kids yeah. and these students. So, anyways, yeah, um, yeah. So we 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 do have a, a previous um, YPT podcast episode about mm-hmm. um, child protection policies. Uh, I think it was um, around episode ten. I don't remember exactly, but it, if you're interested in more about yeah. that, then you can go find one of those previous episodes. Um, so w- when we're talking, um, just kind of again more more uh, the overarching um, conversation. What are some some key scripture passages uh, mm-hmm. that you think would be really valuable and important for youth workers to kind of have uh, at the core of their, this mm-hmm. conversation and kind of in their back pocket. So they're, <laughs> they're always ready um, to, to engage in conversation about sexuality in a way that is um, covered by the gospel. Yeah. I always think it's really helpful to start in Genesis one through three. <laughs> like I, I mentioned, that's where I start in the book is with this, this yeah. grand uh, narrative of scripture, but, and my, my students have given me a hard time of like, didn't yeah. we look at this passage last year? And I'm like, we come here a lot, but I just think it's so <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> important to frame our understanding of, I mean, how do we understand ourselves and the rest of scripture if we don't understand how and why we're made and what God's purpose mm-hmm. was 
in us as people, in marriage, um, and as well as, you know, then we get into chapter three with the fall. And so why do we experience such brokenness in our bodies and our desires and our relationships? Like we have to start there to have this framework for understanding how did it start and what went wrong? Um, So, yeah, I think, I think that's a big one. I think Ephesians 5, just for talking about how marriage is meant to be this picture of something greater of Christ and the church. And so why is marriage and sexuality so significant? And well, it's, it's this foreshadowing in this painting of something that is even more grand and more important. Um, I think first Corinthians six and Romans one both kind of talk about how our sexual actions and choices also have spiritual significance and are about what we worship. Uh And so I, I have gone to those and then one maybe surprising one that I have found really helpful is Hebrews 12. Um, It talks about the spiritual life kind of in terms of it has battleground imagery and like marathon kind of language of this, this journey of the Christian life is, is not a cakewalk and to expect, you know, things to be hard, but also to look at Jesus. Like he is the one who completed this and he's giving us this kingdom that can never be shaken. And then right in the middle of all that, it has this verse, um, about no one should be sexually immoral like Esau, who for a single meal, you know, sold his whole inheritance. Um, and I have just come back to that as, man, this is what what we are up against in this struggle with temptation is there's this, there's this temptation to yeah. go for this instant gratification, like this feels good, this looks good in the moment, it's gonna, it seems like it will satisfy this need but it's such a momentary thing that doesn't satisfy and Jesus offers something so much better and like, don't trade what's infinitely better for this short term thing that doesn't satisfy. So those are a few of the places I, I would go. Yeah. Those are really good. That's really good. Um, so as you, so you've been serving in, in student ministry for about two decades. Um, and so first off, Thank you. Um, I, I love talking with longtime mm-hmm. youth leaders and yeah, really thankful for your longevity and commitment to students. Um, over the, the course of that time, what are some ways that you've seen conversations about sexuality change um, mm. now as opposed to uh, previously? Yeah, I think it, it struck me the last time. I So I teach a series on kind of gospel-shaped sexuality every few years so that hopefully every high schooler, you know, hears it. And the last time I did it, I just realized, okay, I'm not changing my my message, like what I'm teaching, but I needed to really reframe it in light of the students are starting at a really different place, um, particularly as it regarded like orientation and gender kind of issues. I felt like several years ago when I was teaching it, uh, I was trying to kind of combat this us and them mentality of, I think my students are like afraid of this issue of homosexuality and to see it as this, I don't know, other thing and trying to kind of level, hey, we're all sinners. We all struggle with different things. These are people to be loved. And the last time coming at it to be like, all of these students or almost all of them have friends. If they If they don't themselves have different struggles, they have friends that would identify as something else. And 
mostly they're very compassionate and, um, you know, they have a heart for these people. And so the challenge now, I think, is to help them, to commend them for that compassion that they have and desire to love these friends and also help them to see why the Bible's, um, to, to hold convictions of what the Bible teaches and to be able to see that as something good and something worth holding on to in spite of the cultural pressure to not. Yeah, so that gets us to the the big question, right? That every uh, youth worker is, is navigating with students about pronouns. Um, <laughs> can you talk uh, briefly about the, the pronoun question and um, it, in two ways, right? First, okay. how do you how do you address the pronoun preferred pronouns with students, like in a conversation with teenagers? Um, and then, secondly, how do you how do you talk about the pronoun question with fellow youth workers or parents who are struggling with students who want you to use their preferred pronouns? Yeah, <laughs> it's really tricky. Um, and if you if you read that section of my book, you might have noticed I didn't like come down on a. This is what you should always do. <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> Um, but I think it's really helpful for people. I mean, some people come at this already feeling really strongly about one way or another, and some yeah. don't and are trying to figure it out. Um, I just think we need to think really carefully about the the costs, I guess, of either method and the benefits. Um, yeah. As far as how do we, like, man, I just, ha- I have such a heart for the- these students are struggling. You know, anyone that is wrestling with gender identity kinds of questions. There's a lot of pain and struggle there, and I want them to know Jesus. And so on the one hand, I don't want to create any barriers that keep them from coming and from engaging and from feeling welcomed and loved. And so, um, you know, how can, whatever pronouns I use, how can I make sure that that happens? And at the same time, I want to be careful that I'm not undermining what I feel like are really important teachings of scripture about our embodiment as yeah. male and female in the image of God. And so I understand both of those things. And I just think we need to think really carefully through both of those. And so in, in some ways, whether I'm talking with a student or a parent or a youth worker, um, I'm going to bring up those same things of how do we, you know, whatever pronouns we use, how do we make sure that we're doing both? And Personally, I do think there are different situations where I would land differently, which gets really messy and tricky. And yeah. <laughs> I don't love that. I agree. Um, <laughs> I, no, I agree with you. I know people. Yeah, I, I, I feel your, I feel the pain, right? Of people want to nail you down on like, but give me an answer. It's like it's not that. Yeah. Clear. Yeah. So. I mean, if it's a visitor in my youth group, and you know, like I don't know, that's a different thing than. Right. If it was my own kid or something, you know, yeah. like there, and then there's this whole range mm-hmm. in between. I also think it's different what I'm, what I might do informally with a person, with a student who's not even a believer and I'm trying to reach them is probably different than right. what I'll do from the stage at church in what feels like a more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I think that's really wise. Um, I, I've really, just to be honest, like, I've really struggled with it too because it it is I mean you don't you want to welcome every student mm-hmm. and you want them to know that 
you're glad they're there, mm-hmm. regardless of who they are and, and what they call themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the sake of the Great Commission, how do you how do you draw a hard line over something that you know is going to be a relationship killer? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, at what point do you become functionally affirming? Right. For the sake of evangelism, even though you're not affirming, but you've become functionally affirming. It's it's such a hard it is um, mm-hmm. area that really does call for a lot of discernment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I know I asked the question, and you're probably like, "Oh no, <laughs> well, oh, where's this going?" Um, but I, I really appreciated the way that you addressed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and your courage to not just give a solid, here is the way to do it. Here's the answer. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. So there's been a lot of renewed talk in student ministry about partnering with parents, which is really awesome and mm-hmm. I think very, very encouraging. Um, my, my opinion is I, I think the area of sexuality and gender is one of the most important areas where that partnership between youth leaders and parents needs to be very, very strong. Yeah. Um, what do you suggest that partnership um, could look like with parents mm-hmm. and youth leaders, um, especially when a student is struggling with sexual mm-hmm. sin um, of, of really any kind um, or, you know, so. What what does that partnership look like in this context? Sure. Yeah, I think that's also a great question to be just thinking about. And probably probably there are a lot of different ways that it can look, just depending on your your context and the parents that are a part of yeah. your ministry. But um I think just a few specific things that I have tried. Um, when I've taught on sexuality, I've sent out to parents a somewhat detailed kind of outline of of where we're going with it and the different points that I'm making so that they mm-hmm. are aware and have yep. things to follow up, you know, some suggested questions they can talk with their students about at home and just so they understand where we're coming from and what we're trying to teach. The last time I did it, I even had a, I offered a parent training like at the same time on Wednesday night while we were doing youth group for one of the weeks just to yeah. to talk through some of the yeah. sexuality issues for parents and i think i think that was helpful um a lot of it though i i just think relational opportunities with parents are so valuable and um like i said some of that will just differ depending on the openness of the parents and their desire for that but it's a really mm-hmm. sweet thing when there are parents in your church who you have enough of a relational rapport with that they can bring things to you and say, you know, what resources do you suggest or how do I come at this? Or even just pray for my student and pray for me as I'm responding to this with my student. Um, Yeah. That's a really, a really valuable thing. Hopefully there's enough trust and relationship there where you can engage when they're open to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's spot on. And to continue, just uh, I think that the temptation might be to not want to intrude. Mm. So they tell you, parents tell you about a hard conversation that they had with their kid and they're letting you know. um, And you're not sure if you should follow up and (laughs) check in. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Check in. 
Um, if, if they told you it's, the, if they told you they want you to know. Yeah. That's um, an open door. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, uh, do you have any final words of encouragement or, or blessing or, um, advice for youth leaders and parents who, who may be listening? Hmm. Yeah, I think one of the scriptures that has been frequently coming back to my mind as I think through all this, and I don't even think it wound up in my book, but um, is when Jesus talked about there's a wide gate and an easy road that leads to destruction and many find it. And I just, you, you can look around and see so many of those people that are like, man, this looks good to pursue what I think is going to make me happy. And I guess we talked about defining your own identity or whatever, like this looks like the road, you know, that they want to be on, but we know that its end is death. And on the other hand, there's this narrow gate and hard road (laughs) that Jesus invites us onto, but it's the way to life. And so I think my encouragement to youth pastors, parents, whoever is that we, we get to invite students onto this road. We get to walk alongside them when it's hard and just know that what we're inviting them into is this beautiful, abundant life that Jesus offers that is better by far than, than anything else. And so you're doing a good work and inviting students onto that and encourage you with that. That's a good word. Very good word. Uh, Jennifer, thanks for, thanks for joining us for this um, conversation. Thank you for your book. Um, I really want to encourage uh, our listeners to go and buy multiple copies and um, give it to your small group leaders, give it to parents, give it to students. Um, yeah, it, it's a really wonderful resource. Thank you for writing this. Thank you for having me. So listeners, thanks for thanks for following along with Youth Pastor Theologian. It's the beginning of 2024, ready for a good year and uh, grateful for you, for your ministry. Uh, so make sure you hop on to youthpastortheologian.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the website. That'll get all of our fresh content sent directly to your inbox so you don't miss anything. And uh, we always are grateful for you sharing uh, Youth Pastor Theologian's resources with others. Uh, we really don't have any money for marketing or advertising or any of that good stuff. So we rely on you. You are our plan. Um, so help us out by sharing and commenting and subscribing and you know, the drill, all those things. So anyways, um, youth leaders, we're grateful for you. Jennifer, we're grateful for you. Uh, go pick up more of the story Uh, and thanks for listening in and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the youth pastor theologian podcast. YPT's mission is to empower youth workers to pursue theological depth because we're committed to inviting students into a faith that's big enough to grow into. You can learn more about the ministry and other resources we offer at youthpastortheologian.com, and you can find us on most social media at Youth Theologian. Mm -hmm.